Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we're back. It's Friday, and, you know, usually we say on Friday, us old folks, TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. In the studio with us, we got uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. Uh, welcome, Judge. And, Thank you. Uh, and Rudy Washington, uh, maybe related to George, but we never know. Uh, former Deputy Mayor to uh, Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, now why can't I get my credit card? Huh? That says you know, George? That's, yeah, that says George, whatever you want to put on you it. You never know. You never know. <laughs> and uh, we have a great show for you today, and uh, it's Friday, and uh, there's so many things happening, and uh, maybe we can take the weekend off without the world going uh, astray. Yeah, what, what a week. Uh, yep, what a week. What this a has week. been insane week. I mean, I feel well, like this right, has been action-packed. Right now, I understand we have another Rudy on the phone. And he may know what the heck is going on. Why don't you bring him on? Yep, we got former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani, of course, hosts a great show on WABC, 3 to 4 o'clock every day. And, Rudy, we got to get your take about sure. what is happening on, basically, with the New York City uh, District Attorney with Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, Trump. Everybody is sitting on pins and needles. Where do you think this is going? Well, I mean, I guess, you know, we're all guessing. Uh, obviously, it's been delayed. It was supposed to happen well, the Monday or Tuesday, right? Then uh, I think the big the big uh, uh, change was the testimony of Bob Costello, which was extraordinary. I mean, he, he, he appeared before the grand jury and apparently got to them all the things that Bragg has been covering up. Uh, he, he went there in order to give them the information that the U.S. attorney had asked for uh, a couple of years ago in order to find out whether or not he had a case. And the U.S. attorney, after talking to Costello and then a couple other people, determined there was no case. Well, and Rudy, he called Michael Cohen a liar. I mean, he was on the show here. He said, I got the the evidence. Do you think it's in a tailspin now, the case? Well, he is a liar. I mean, there's no question about it. And it's proven. And remember, I, you know, one of the things people didn't emphasize, I'm, I'm not sure even Bob did, it's two on one. Uh, Costello was uh, at all times had his partner Jeff Citron with him, so uh, you know you could say well they're both saying it for each other, but these are both lawyers, members of the bar, who could lose their profession if they're lying, as well as go to jail, and uh, so you got two people who say that he was lying, Cohen, and you have a convicted uh, serial liar saying that he isn't. And then, and then, uh, uh, Rita, the most extraordinary thing happened the day of the testimony, right? Uh, uh, Cohen goes on television, one of those fake MSNBC, uh, people. And, uh, why the, why the DA let him go on television, I don't understand. I mean, my witnesses never spoke once they started cooperating until the trial was over. 
If they did, <laughs> well, let's just say they didn't. Um, and uh, so he shoot his mouth off like the dope that he is. And all of a sudden, he just says, I never signed a, I never signed a, 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 a waiver of attorney-client privilege. I never signed that. Uh, Costello's lying. 20 minutes later, Costello shows up on the Tucker Carlson show, and what does he have but a document with his name on it, with, with Cohen's name on it, witnessed by four assistant U.S. attorneys. With the waiver. With the, but, but four assistant U.S. attorneys. So now it's going to be Cohen against uh, uh, Costello and his partner and four assistant U.S. attorneys. Like, that's six on one, and he's lying even now. He can't help himself. So what do you think is going to happen, Rudy, next week? Because, my goodness, as we're looking at all this, everyone's wondering, is it going to come back? Are they going to resume on Monday? Do you think Bragg is still going to put it to a vote? Um, or do you think I mean, he's going to try to hide, hope it silks away, you know? I think it's 50-50. I mean, I, who, who knows? I mean, he, he could uh, – he's probably getting pressure on both sides, right? He's probably getting uh, uh, pressure on – I mean, the uh, Democrats, I think, are of two views here. I'm uh, – Far be it for me to speak for Democrats. I'm just trying to be logical. I think there are a group of Democrats who say, what the hell are you doing this for? Uh, you're, giving him, you're giving him unbelievable publicity. He's jumped, uh, 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 jumped by 10, 12 points in the polls. He now leads uh, both DeSantis and Biden. And uh, you're making him into a martyr because most people don't accept this case. Mayor. I mean, even, even Democrats don't accept this case. A lot of the Mueller prosecutors have come out against it. Mayor, this is Rudy. Um, the got, other Rudy. The other Rudy Washington related yeah, to my, George. My, 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 my great deputy mayor and great friend. <laughs> uh, mayor, question for you or the judge. Um, we now know that uh, I suspect that Bragg knows this is none of this is true. Now, given a DA who brings a case like this, can he or she be dragged in front of a, a bar association or, or an appellate division ethics uh, committee? The judge wants to chime in here. Judge Weinberg, yeah, okay, go judge, ahead. I, have, I have a question for the judge, too, so go ahead, go ahead Judge. Well, I, I think, well, in New York State, it's the, this would come to the appellate division that, that handles this. And yes, the answer is they can, someone can file an ethics complaint if they're, they perceive themselves to be injured. And what happens with it, I don't know. And, of course, the governor has removal powers after, after hearing. But we're not there yet if he's bringing this prosecution in good faith. See, I think he's going to go full steam ahead, guys. Yeah. I mean, he, well, he's, he's put it on the line. How does how, he back off now? But how? How? Well, I'm not saying it has merits. But, I'm yeah. just saying, but the, you know. But, but the mayor, as a, a distinguished Justice Department official, head of the criminal division of Justice Department, distinguished U.S. attorney in Southern District, knows that this is what we call in the business, Mr. Mayor, a bootstrap case. This is merely a misdemeanor which you're trying to juice yeah. up to a felon. Could you comment on that? You know what? Well, we I wanted to ask you a question, Judge. We call because, it BS. <laughs> Judge, I'm, I'm completely uh, uh, confused by this, and, and, and I would think this would lead to the immediate dismissal of the felony charge. I think he's relying on a federal felony. I agree. You're right. So how could the New York statute embrace a federal felony? The state legislature doesn't have the authority to embrace a federal statute within their laws. I, I agree with you. I mean, is it, no more could they prosecute a federal uh, statutory violation. Yeah, I would think any judge, uh, even if he hated Trump, would have to dismiss at least the felony charge. So now we go back to a silly misdemeanor, which is a totally silly case. I mean, it, and plus, when you go back to the misdemeanor, it's barred by the statute of limitations. That's right, two years. 
You need the felony to get past the statute of limitations. And there's even an argument, Mr. Mayor, whether five years would suffice here, depending on how you run the clock. Yeah, it depends. You know what it depends on? It depends on when it was filed. Right. When the business record was filed. Now, this isn't really... This isn't really a kind of business record this statute was intended for. It wasn't intended for non-disclosure agreements. It was almost intended for records kept in the regular course of business. So even that's a little strange. But when did the accountant put it in the records? kind of makes sense that he did it in 2017 when it was being paid. Well, money was being paid on it. And by the way, Mr. Mayor, if this is a campaign finance violation, uh, what campaign finance monies? Were used. This is None. not the Edwards case, which itself, gov- Senator Edwards' case fell apart, and I, they were using actual campaign finance money. Isn't that correct? Yeah, they were using actual campaign finance money, and the ruling was, well, it was really for personal pur- pur- purposes, and therefore, if it was anything, it was a misuse of campaign finance funds, not a campaign finance violation. Well, well, that's why we say in layman's terms, it's a bit of hogwash. No, it's a <laughs> stupid case. Let's face it. It'll be interesting to case. see what happens Monday. Mayor Rudy Giuliani, I tell you, I saw that movie. Uh, your son was there and uh, uh, and uh, Judge Weinberg was there. That was some movie. Well, and uh, Judge Weinberg had a lot to do with it, too, and, and Peter Vallone, his... his, his uh, My speaker. For for those of you who haven't seen it yet, it's on Amazon Prime. It's called Gotham. Gotham. Gotham, The Fall and and Rise of New York. The Fall and Rise of New York. It's one great movie on a scale of 1 to 10. It's a 17. It's more than 10. Wow, that's good. (laughs) So it's somewhere between 17. (laughs) Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend. I'll I'll be listening to you on Sunday at 11 o'clock. No, 10 o'clock, right after my show. Keep going. I'll be listening. We I'll love you. Care. Thank you, Rudy. Take care. And uh, today is Greek Independence Day, and uh, we had a few uh, call-ins. Uh, one of the call-ins is Royal Highness uh, uh, Prince Pavlou, and he called in to wish everybody a, uh, a Greek Independence Day. Let's go to Prince Pavlou, and we taped it a few hours ago. Well, tomorrow is Independence Day, and there's so many Greeks and so many Hellenes around the world that are tuning in to WABC uh, Radio worldwide uh, in the next 24 hours. And with us today is also our Grand Marshal, Ernie Anastas. Thank you, John. And uh, Ernie, uh, you've always uh, been proud to be Greek. And calling in right now, we have His Royal Highness, uh, Prince Pavlou. Uh, and uh, uh, Your Royal Highness, uh, I uh, I am so sorry uh, you lost your father, a few, the king, mm-hmm. uh, a few months ago. And tell us about Independence Day, how your father felt, how you feel, and your mother is now the queen. Uh, you you tell us what you feel. Well, John, thank you so much, and Ernie, nice to speak to you as well. Um, yeah, well, uh, thank you for your thoughts on my father. He was yeah, a great man that you know we uh, all looked up to, and and uh, was a great guide to us in our life. Um, so you know we we move forward though, and wishing everybody who's suffered in the last few years, especially up in uh, Tempe with a terrible crane crash. You know, all our condolences go to everybody there. Uh, but going forward, tomorrow is the day of Angelismos and the day of the beginning of our revolution. And as a family, uh, I wish all my fellow Hellenes both back home and in the diaspora all the best for our patria today. Absolutely. And, you know, we celebrate 
uh, we celebrate the unitedness of the, of the of the people and, and, and uh, you know what you guys know over here in America as well is that you know united and focused you can reach uh, a freedom and excellence and, and that's what mm-hmm. we celebrate I think uh, and I think we also have to remember being you know that it is Evangelist Mosque which is the the day of the salutation of the Virgin Mary so our Orthodox Church and faith has always driven us and kept us together and united and we should remember to, to celebrate our communities uh, both home and and, uh, and- here. Uh, your, your, uh, uh, your Royal Highness, uh, it's, uh, well, the, the Pavlos, Prince Pavlos. <laughs> yeah, we know each other. <laughs> I, I know we know each other well, but I want to give you the respect because you deserve the respect. Sure, we're proud of you. And uh, oh, your father you. deserves the respect and your mom deserves the mm-hmm. respect. You know what we are feeling yeah. here and, and we love hearing from you, Pavlos, because you know, it's from the heart and we all have that same spirit, that uh, spirit of Hellenism. And we're so proud of the great accomplishments and the contributions that the Greek civilization has given to the world. And I was talking recently to a very good friend of mine who's reporting in Athens. And uh, he was telling me that what we're looking at right now is a new generation that's rebuilding Greece. That that spirit that we're talking about is there and it's coming to life. Maybe you could just elaborate on that because, you know, those of us here in America who have such great pride in Greece are looking to see what our homeland is doing. And there's good news coming out of Greece, isn't there? Yes, you're absolutely right. And I, I'm beginning to see it myself that um, there, there's a, a, another sort of passion to go back to some of the uh, traditions that we've had that have been sort of uh, suppressed, if you want, over the years of of sort of rebuilding the country and people feel they need to have a little bit more connection to some of their which is our, our, our traditions as we say it in Greek and mm-hmm. uh, I, I think um, well, being at my father's funeral and, and, and seeing the people coming out and, and showing such respect for somebody who most of them did not even know because a lot right. of them when they were still young at the time it just showed that people are happy to, to respect something of the past and the tradition and still be the normal people they are today, not having to uh, make any major changes, but just being good people, uh, hope, you know, loving their church, loving their community, and respecting their country. And Absolutely. And, and you know, whether you're we, in America or whether you're in Greece. Wow. Great interview there, John. Very fast. Yes, how beautiful. And, uh, the full interview will be on the WABC website and, uh, we also had Ambassador Tunis on and the full interview on the WABC website. But before we take Larry Kudlow, let's go to a break, and then we're going to come back with Larry Kudlow and find out how deep of a crap is the economy and where we are. <laughs> a common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, we're back, and uh, we have the country's leading economist, the number one show on on Fox Business. Uh, we have Larry Kudlow with us, and and we're going to find out what the heck is going on because, um, well, a lot of things happening. Uh, Mr. Kudlow, or John. otherwise known as Larry. <laughs> Larry, what's going on? I mean, uh, right now it looks like to me, in my opinion, that we destroyed the real estate industry. And now we're going to destroy the banks too. What, what, what's going on? I'm a little bit, I'm a little dramatical, but I say it the way it is. Well, <laughs> one of the things I learned this week, John, is that not even Alvin Bragg can indict a ham sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> That's a 
good one, Larry. I take judicial I notice of that. Okay. You can you can use that, Rita. I it must have show. been a Jewish holiday Thank and uh, you. your ham was in kosher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, one of the things everybody's trying to figure out with respect to the banking problem is what in God's name is Janet Yellen actually telling us or saying? Because she changes her views, you know, uh, Tuesday, we were bailing out the banks and the uninsured deposits. Wednesday, we weren't. Thursday, we were. I don't know if she was saying anything today, but I think it really matters. And I think that, you know, the country needs some leadership and it's not getting it. And by the way, uh, Joe Biden's polls have fallen so much since last Sunday when the bailouts first started. Middle income people. Uh, working folks uh, do not wish to pay for the rogue banking that some of these regionals engaged in. So I think that's one very important point. Regarding the bigger issue of contagion, um, you know, I can hold my breath and say to you, it doesn't look like a severe contagion. Okay, but the Federal Reserve has pumped in over $300 billion in new money uh, in the last two-week period. That's from their official statement of statistics. It's called the H-41, which tells me that a whole lot of banks were borrowing from the discount window, using the new credit line facility, and that the uh, Fed had to give the FDIC a lot of money, actually about $150 billion, to cover uninsured deposits. And that tells me that there's still a problem out there. So it's hard to predict, John. I mean, I, I don't want to predict, but um, I would say we're still on tender hooks with this whole banking story. Well, the more the Fed uh, raises the rate, the more interest uh, that we have to pay on the bonds. But there was a, a different kind of reaction. Uh, the markets went down even though the Fed went up. How do you characterize that? Well, look at one thing to keep in mind. I mean, I haven't seen the weekly numbers for stocks. Stocks had a real bad day Wednesday uh, between Jay Powell uh, saying one thing and Janet Yellen saying another markets you know, were down the 1.600 points. They were up today. It was it was okay, but you know, um, the Fed's rate hike was accompanied by an across the board reduction in all other market interest rates. That's what I meant, so that's yes. A, that's, a, that's a very interesting uh, response. <laughs> now, it could say a lot of things, John. It, it could say that the Fed's winning the fight against inflation, so inflation expectations are falling. It could also say uh, recession expectations are rising. And maybe it's a combination of the two. One of the oddest things in you know, I've been in and out of this game for just about 50 years. I started the New York Fed in the early 70s. The two-year Treasury, you know, which is ultimately risk-free, uh, their interest rate collapsed and is now trading uh, well over 100 basis points below the Fed's target rate, the Fed funds rate. That is extremely, extremely it's strange. rare. It's strange. And... Um, Again, it's, it could suggest many things. It could be a recession signal. It could be an inflation signal. 
I mean, in some theory, in some theoretical sense, the two-year tells you what the Fed funds rate is going to be in two years. So it may be saying, okay, once we get through the peak in the Fed's target rate, maybe we're not so far from it, um, rates will fall. You know, Larry, oil is at below 70 So Mm -hmm. that means something that means that uh, some of the things that are causing the inflation will start to retreat. Uh, Gasoline will start to retreat. Diesel fuel will start to retreat. And eventually, Mm -hmm. uh, over a few months, the the, the food prices will start to retreat. But we need need patience. Yes, no, patience is a virtue. I mean, we're waiting for food and grocery prices to come down. And if they do come down, that would be a, a big help. Uh, in this overall story, a very big help. But, you know, the bank stocks are obviously unhealthy. The bank stock in There's a lot of fear. Fear is driving the bus in the bank stocks, Larry. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard to mount a stock market rally when bank stocks are doing as bad as they're doing. Absolutely correct. And it's going to cause a recession. It's going to cause a deeper recession if the banks stop lending to business people. And that's the next step, and that's what the fear is. Well, I think banks, uh, first of all, bank uh, commercial loan standards have jumped up enormously in the last few months. Uh, in the last few weeks, go 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 and try to get and a loan, and you'll well, see what me, the – you're not going to get a welcome. Let me finish the point. The second point I want to make is that actual CNI commercial loan uh, lending by the banks is flattened out and is now dipping down. So that's another point. And actual deposits in the banking system are coming down. Now, mind you, commercial banks are somewhat overrated. They're only supplying a little more than 20% of the loans to the rest of the economy. I mean, non-bank lending has been the big story in the last 20 25 years. So it's hard to make uh, cut and dried assumptions about what what this means. I mean, I still come back to two things. Uh, a lot of bank executives misbehaved, point number one. And point number two, the Federal Reserve Bank supervisors misbehaved. The examination people misbehaved. And so uh, number three, is this going to be a negative for the economy? Yes, absolutely. How big a negative this will be for the economy, I'm not sure we can quantify that just yet. Larry, I'll be listening to you tomorrow, the number one show on Saturday mornings uh, on WABC. Larry Kudlow on from 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock. I'll be listening, and and we're going to find out what's going on on Monday by listening to you on uh, Saturday. Thank you so much. Thank uh, you, John. Have All a great right, weekend. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye, Larry. Thanks so much. Always has great stuff. And by the way, let's continue now with the former top aide to then Governor Andrew Cuomo. Big stuff happening in Albany. Uh, Melissa DeRosa joining us here on Cats and Cosby. And Judge, you got a question for her. Melissa, I understand that the uh, Commission on Judicial Appointments has come out with seven names. This is very important. Would you please explain to our listeners what this is about and why it's important? Sure. So after, you know, the historic rejection of Judge LaSalle a couple of weeks back, 
the process had to start over again. And so the Judicial Nominating Commission met and they went through their vetting process. They did their interviews and they put up a list of seven potential nominees for chief judge of the Court of Appeals and submitted them to the governor this afternoon. And so now, you know, we we're back again where we were a couple of weeks ago. Where Any common were, sense people? You know, it's funny, John, the ju- the list is not all that different than the list was a couple of weeks ago. What stands out to me is there's no Latino on the list, which there had been a rumor bouncing around that I can't vouch for, but I think it's worth repeating since it sort of bear out, was that a number of the Latino judges who were being considered sort of locked arms and said, we will not go through this process after what happened with Justice LaSalle. And not a single Latino name appeared on the list. So I think that's worth noting. And then otherwise, it's sort of a reconfiguration of the same list she got a few weeks ago. It, she, it did add on two of the current justices that weren't on last time, Shirley Troutman and Rowan Wilson. Um, and so, you know, so it's, it's, it's not, you know, all that exciting a list, frankly. Why is it so um, important? Melissa, why is it so important that you have a, a strong, centrist, common sense judge? What's the danger? Because where we are right now in New York State, where you have super majorities in both chambers of the legislature and a weak governor, you have a dynamic where the both branches of government could end up passing laws that are not constitutional. And the only way to stop those laws is if you bring a legal challenge and it goes up to the highest sort of echelons of the justice system. And you've got people who are willing to stand up and interpret the law based on the facts, based on precedent and make determinations not based on politics, but based on the Constitution and the law. And so if you end up with a, with a, with a judicial branch that's tilted far to the left or that is overtly political, then you end up in a situation where you could see all of these laws getting passed that are not constitutional, not legal, but withstand legal challenges purely for political purposes. So this is a hugely important thing in New York. And the other thing. Listen, we were talking about this earlier before we went on the air. This is the problem. Sometimes the, the federal courts send a question to the New York Court of Appeals on certification to get the opinion of that court, the New York Court of Appeals, on what the law of New York is. Isn't that right? That is right. And so, you know, it, it's interesting that the list that we got, there's seven names on it. A bunch of them are current, currently serving. I'm betting she's either going to pick Rowan Wilson, who is an African-American lawyer from Long Island, who's currently on the bench, or Troutman, who's an African-American woman who is from Buffalo, who Hochul herself put on the bench. Now, both of those people went against the majority in the redistricting case. So it'll be interesting to see. They'll be palatable, you know, to the legislature. But where do people actually think they'll come down on the law moving forward? Melissa DeRosa, thank you for coming on and have a great weekend. And we have your own old boss uh, on at 8 o'clock tonight, Andrew Cuomo, former governor. And he'll be on between 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock. And and everybody's going to be listening in and see what he says. Well, have fun. Thank you. And uh, let's go to uh, Lou Dobbs and see what the markets are doing today. And when we come back, uh, we're going to have Bobby Nonaway from Goya Foods. Your commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. 
And welcome back to Cats and Cosby. Our next guest is having a big birthday coming up, and we love him. Of course, he is the head of Goya Foods, the great Bob Yunanway. Bob, great to have you here. This is Rita and John Katsimatidis. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And, and jo- uh, thank John. you, John and Rita. God bless you, and, and happy uh Greek Independence Day, John. And thank you for so uh, Goya Foods supporting Greek Independence Day. I will make sure all the Greeks will go out and buy Goya chickpeas and Goya beans. and Because you, you want to know something? They're a little bit better than normal beans. They're the best. Uh, yeah. John, this is Rudy Washington. We haven't met, but I just want to say God bless you because I've followed your philanthropy in, in uh, Maria and Puerto Rico and Ukraine. Uh, now with Greek Independence uh, I just want to say God bless you for your work. That was Rudy Washington, uh, former deputy mayor under Rudy Giuliani. Thank you, Rudy. Uh, Bob, t- t- give us uh, some good news today. We need some good news. Well, I got some great news, John, and it's just by coincidence. It's not by coincidence. This is God's hand. It's You know, Greek Independence Day also coincides with the Feast of the Annunciation in the Catholic Church, where the Archangel uh, Gabriel announces to Mary that she is going to be carrying the, the, the Jesus, the Son of God. And today I was with the uh, HSI, the uh, Homeland Security Investigations, and I was with uh, Peter King, uh, our great friend and, and uh, congressman. And, you know, we were there to uh, talk about, you know, child trafficking. And it just so happens that this coincides with the Feast of the Annunciation, the baby Jesus, the importance of the child and how the child is being, you know, we're, we're, the child is our, is our future and our, and our present. Uh, I was just recently in Costa Rica and I was invited down to a quinceanera, which is the 15th birthday of this girl, seven years old, from seven years old to to 11, she was trafficked by her mother. And, you know, the Homeland Security Investigations Team, they, these are dedicated people who are looking to eradicate child trafficking. And it's such an important thing. And, you know, our world, we're moving away from God, but I have hope that we're moving toward God. Where We have these many groups that are concentrating and loving our children because the children, like I said, are our present and our future. Robert, you're not away. Thank you so much. And uh, you do God's work, and you help those children. And uh, Goya, I'm telling you, God will reward you, and thank you for uh, calling in, and happy birthday. Wherever you're celebrating, I wish we were closer together. God bless you. Love you, John. Love you, Rita. And all the, your your voice and the, and your good works. Thank are you so, so needed much. in today's uh, society. Thank you. God bless you, and happy birthday so much, Bob. God bless. Thank you and very now, much. And now we have to find out what the heck is going on in the uh With the strike, big strike, by the way, huge strike, John, that happened with Iran. For those uh, of you who don't know, go ahead, tell, tell Rita what yeah, happened. This is a big deal today, and we were talking about this. Suddenly, Iran uses a drone and strikes a U.S. facility in Syria, and everyone's saying, wait a minute, the air defense system didn't work by the United States to avoid that strike. Huge news. And joining us now to talk about all of this is retired Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. He's head of the London Center, also Project Sentinel. Tony, how could it be that our air defense systems were down 
weren't working as well as they should have, and we didn't stop this you drone. A, you mean you have a base in the middle of Syria and your, and your air defense system don't work? Is that true, Tony? It's true. No, our, oh our bases God. in Syria are very, uh, very uh, minimal. And one of the things we've observed, these things are hard to detect to begin with because they're very small. And we don't have adequately uh, uh, deployed forces. If you're going to have a base there, you probably want to have defensive measures like you're talking about. But we don't because we're supposed to be there in a very small footprint doing just a handful of things relating to trying to bring stability to Syria so that we don't have issues with with, uh, ISIS and things like that. But, yeah, to to Rita's point, uh, at this point, the Iranians have decided to kind of go back on the offensive. And we've seen this. I actually uh, helped produce a series called Chain of Command where we saw these small drones. Basically, you can put uh, hand grenades on drones and fly them over somewhere and drop them off. There's much, not much you can do to stop those unless you have sophisticated electronic systems to detect them, and obviously they don't have that right now in Syria. And Judge Weinberg, you got a question. Colonel, I want to ask you this. Is yeah. this an act of war by Iran through its proxies against the United States of America? Well, I think this is minimal compared to other things the Iranians have done over the past 20 years. I mean, we had uh, detected early on during the Iraq War that they were using shaped charges in IEDs against my troops. Heck, I actually... In Afghanistan in 2003, uh, had uh, detected the IRGC funding the insurgency against us in, in eastern Afghanistan. So I personally ran an operation where we found out later that Soleimani was, uh, was funding the terrorist acts against us in Afghanistan in 2003-2004. So this is kind of minimal. And as you've already noticed, the Biden administration is downplaying it. I don't think that we should, should be downplaying it. The more you downplay something like this, the more you encourage them to do something even more. And they want to uh, go back obvious. to the Iran deal. They keep right. wanting to go back. How crazy is that, Colonel? It's crazy. It's all, oh, the Iran deal is simply a hardened path for purposes of getting Iran to a weapon of mass destruction, to a nuclear weapon. That's all it is. And Trump did the right thing to, to get us off that. Uh, there's other things we should be doing to stop them from doing it. If the objective is to stop them from having a nuclear weapon, the, the nuclear the, the, the deal ain't going to do it. As a matter of fact, it simply gives them a path to do it, and it's not a good idea. So at this point, the Biden administration wants that. I, I think they want an, a, a, uh, an armed Iran because it gives them more excuse to say, oh, you know, we have to kind of uh, kowtow to the Iranians because they have nuclear weapons now. Oh, that's scary. Yeah, I didn't know. It, but there the was some breaking news, Rita, just now? Yeah, and I just wanted to tell you, Tony, This um, you may be aware of this, that um, uh, after Iran, of course, with all the stuff we're dealing with, Saudi Arabia is reestablishing ties with Syria. What? So it, it's like, uh, what is going on? All these people are bandying together, and these are not friends of the United States. So the uh, Abraham Accords, which I thought everybody really agreed that that was a path to go. We were getting all the Arab nations to work in close cooperation with the with the Israelis, the, the best possible thing, peace through cooperation and economic uh, interaction, it's dead. Because this Chinese, there's a name for you, the, the PRC was able to negotiate a ceasefire and 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 a deal where Iran and 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 Saudi Arabia are now going to be friends. So essentially, the the very uh, adversary that we're just talking about regarding bombing our base is not going to be friends with an Arab nation that used to consider an enemy, the Sunni-Shia issue. And so now we see the, the Chinese stepping in where we should be the ones negotiating. The Chinese are the ones that have negotiated this deal to end that conflict. Well, Tony, uh, this is Rudy Washington. I, I just don't believe 
that uh, you could do a deal with uh, religious zealots uh, and that Iran is not going to stick to a deal. I think the religious division between Saudi Arabia and Iran is too thick uh, for this right now. It's it's temporary. Uh, And and what America should understand, the difference between Iran and everybody else, they will use that nuclear device. Watch out, Israel. Watch out, Europe. Watch out, America. I agree with you thinking. And I think that this is a temporary thing by the Saudis. I think the Saudis are trying to get our attention. With that said, the Saudi Arabians, to your point, I don't think fully trust them because they, the Saudis, have already purchased nuclear weapons from Pakistan. They just haven't taken delivery. Right now in a warehouse in Rua Pente, Pakistan, they have nuclear weapons they've already purchased should right, there be confirmation right. that the Iranians and have. And we, yeah, we had the opportunity to take that out when AQ Khan was developing it, but Clinton sure. wouldn't give them the go-ahead, That's give correct. the CIA the go-ahead to take them out. Right. And now we're dealing with it with this administration. Tony, thank you. You are terrific. We love having you here on the show. Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, a great military expert. Thank you, Tony, on this big news day, huge news day on that. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much. And by the way, did you guys see uh, the information about eye drops and the issues that they are causing? Well, joining us now is our resident expert. He knows everything. Dr. Peter Mihalos. Uh, Great to have you here on the show. Great to be with you guys, and uh, today we're going to be basically, it's the 83rd anniversary this past year of the development of antibiotics, so it's timely to speak about this new drug-resistant infection that the CDC, Center for Disease Control, reported that four people actually lost their eyes to these infections from eye drops, and three people actually have died from these infections, because when infections get into the eye, they can spread into the back of the brain and they can travel down our tear duct. According to the CDC, the two brands involved were Esri Care and Telsum Farm Eye Drops made in India by uh, Indian Global Healthcare Company. So uh, this is a real problem because this infection called Pseudomonas, which has been around, especially in people who sleep in contacts and people, especially now with these infections going around, should never sleep in contacts because this bacteria likes to go into the cornea. Why? The cornea is the clear window in the front of the eye, and it has no blood vessels, so the immune system doesn't see the infection right away. That's also a good thing for people who need corneal transplants. That's why it was the first successful uh, organ transplant in the human body in 1910 in the Czech Republic by Olmec. And the problem is that because there are no blood vessels, it takes time for the body to see the infection. But by that time, this bacteria called Pseudomonas has these enzymes that actually eats through and melts the cornea, and that's how it blinds people if it's not treated right away. The problem is these drug resistance. So on WABC, we don't like to talk about the problems. We want to propose solutions. So that's why um, many politicians are listening. I'm proposing a draft force. What's that? D-R-A-T, Drug Antibiotic Resistance Task Force. We need to start that immediately and request some of the drug companies to take some of the billions of dollars they made on these uh, vaccines and put it towards an Operation Warp Speed to develop new antibiotic-resistant specialty medicines to get antibiotics that can kill some of these new infections because we're also hearing about the other infections that's popping up in hospitals called Candida auris, a fungal infection, where we had only one case in 2013, and now we had 379 cases in 2022. So and we you know, need this task force. 
And uh, uh, sorry to interrupt you, Dr. Mihalos. I wanted to ask you about this uh, new study also about obesity, too, because you, you you are like a walking encyclopedia. That's why John and I and everybody here on the show loves you. Um, there's a new report that 42% of Americans have obesity. Are you surprised? That's a huge number. Well, since the introduction of uh, highly processed uh, sugar that basically goes directly into the refrigerator of our belly, that's the problem. When you eat regular, natural, healthy Mediterranean diet, it takes time to break it down and process it. The problem is the uh, the white breads. You know, we grew up on bread commercials telling us about all the wonders of eating bread and uh, white bread and white rice and, and all these sugar and, it hurts and donut us. It advertisements. Hurts us. Wonder Bread helps build build body seven ways. I remember the commercial from 50 (laughs) years ago. What about Greek food, you guys? Greek food. I I cannot turn turn that down. I know. But don't eat any fried food unless it's fried with olive oil. No, the problem is is that it's those vegetable oils that they were pushing on us turn out to be horrible. And olive oil turns out to be one of the best oils. And this is one of the issues. And the problem is our beef in the United States is filled with grain and corn. And even the seafood in these seafood farms and the farm fish is being fed with grain and corn instead of the natural stuff. For example, why is Argentinian beef so great? Because it's grass-fed beef. The European Union doesn't even allow American beef over there because we shoot it up with estrogen and antibiotics. Wow. Estrogens are associated with stimulating breast cancers. That's why Japanese women have one of the lowest cancer rates for breast cancer when they come to the United States and adapt the American diet and eat all this estrogen-laden meat. Guess what happens? Estrogen stimulates breast cancer. That's why one of the medicines to treat breast cancer is an estrogen-blocking medicine. Thank so you. We have a lot. Gotcha. Thank you, Dr. Peter Mihalos. And I'm going to be uh, talking to you on Sunday morning between 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock on the Cats Roundtable. And what are you going to talk about this Sunday? We're going to talk about medication side effects and medication safety in the United States and ideas on how we can make things better. Thank you so much. We're going to be taking a break right now. We're going to come back, Miranda Devine, with some breaking news. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Cats and Cosby. A big bombshell story by Miranda Devine about Hunter Biden. And joining us now is the great New York Post columnist, Miranda Devine. Miranda, I, I love the name of this guy. It was an FBI mold named One Eye? Tell us about this. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Rita. Hi, John. Hi, everybody. Um, yes, look, this is according to uh, an Israeli former uh, member of the Israeli Defense Forces, a professor, an energy expert who worked with Hunter Biden's Chinese business partners and has just been arrested on gun-running charges in Cyprus. He claims that he was arrested to stop him revealing what he knows about the Biden family and FBI corruption. And he claims that Hunter Biden had an FBI mole named One Eye, One Eye, who ticked off his Chinese business partners that they were under investigation. I mean, it sounds insane. It's like something uh, out it's of... It's almost as bad as the big investigation they had in 2013 with uh, uh, some of the uh, GOP candidates. The, the, mole, the, the guy was Rashid. When <laughs> it's I like heard, a movie. When I heard the name, I said, which movie did that come from? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Truth is stranger than fiction these days. 
Yeah. So tell us about what does this say about just how far the Biden administration, according to your reporting, is infiltrating even our, you know, our Justice Department, our FBI? Well, look, I'm going to be a little careful because these allegations haven't yet been tested. Um, He, this, this guy, Gal Luff. Uh, Professor Dr. Gal Luft is still sitting in a jail in Cyprus. Uh, he's waiting to be extradited to the US. So his claims will be tested in court. But um, I think what, what we know already, though, is that Hunter Biden did have a contact in the FBI that he used to help his Chinese business partners. And we know that because there are emails on the laptop. Uh, we know that because when one of his Chinese business partners, a man by the name of Patrick Ho, was arrested at JFK, uh, the first person he called after his arrest was James Biden, Jim Biden, who is Hunter Biden's uncle, and of course, Joe Biden, President Joe Biden's uh, younger brother. And so um, he was arrested by FBI agents on bribery and money laundering charges in 2017, And after that, Hunter was paid $1 million uh, to be his legal representative, but he didn't really do any legal work. He offloaded that onto another attorney. And we know from emails with that attorney that the other thing that Hunter did on behalf of Patrick Ho was to contact his FBI, uh, FBI sources. So we don't know who his FBI sources are, who his contacts are, but clearly, he's using that contact to assist his Chinese partners. And what this Israeli is telling us uh, just further corroborates that. Wow. I want to ask you, too, uh, Miranda Devine, the great uh, New York Post columnist, what are you hearing? Anything about uh, the Alvin Bragg grand jury? Because we're all wondering what's going to happen next week. Well, look, what we do know is that the grand jury was supposed to sit Wednesday and Thursday and it didn't, abruptly cancelled at the last minute. And that was after the incredible uh, bombshell testimony, I guess you'd call it, from Bob Costello, who um, is an attorney formerly of the um, Southern District of New York, has also acted for Rudy Giuliani. Um, And he also, uh, at one point, was doing legal work for Michael Cohen or was a sort of a advising him legally. And um, Michael Cohen, of course, being the disgraced, uh, you know, disbarred uh, lawyer that uh, worked for Donald Trump. And uh, he is the star witness. Michael Cohen is the star witness for Alvin Bragg's um, supposed indictment coming, you know, prosecution of uh, Donald Trump. Um, but it may never get off the ground after the fact that the, the, his star witness has just been shown up to be to have lied, to have flip-flopped. Um, there was a letter that was uh, discovered the other day on Wednesday showing that Michael Cohen said that he'd paid this hush money to this porn star Stormy Daniels off his own bat, uh, that, he, that Trump and Trump's organizations had nothing to do with it. And he's telling a different story to the grand jury. So, he also, you know, Miranda, he's Richard, a liar. Yeah. Miranda, it's Richard Weber. He also testified before Congress contradicting himself a number of times, at least a half a dozen yeah. times. So his testimony is worth zero. It's worth zero. So how on earth can you have a grand jury? And I'm sure the grand jury is furious about having their time wasted, being told that this guy is a legitimate witness, their only real you know, witness, and then find out that he's completely incredible. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you, Miranda Devine. Thank you. Have a great weekend, and hopefully the sun will shine over the weekend and 
and we'll have a better Monday. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Miranda. And what we all stand for, by the way, I, I had a phone call before from Ambassador uh, George Tunis that uh, represents United States and Greece, and he sends everybody his... Uh, uh, his uh, Zito Alas, his greetings, his greetings, uh, greetings, and uh, on our website we're going to have every all the items that happened today with uh, Greek Independence Day. It was a great day on wabcradio.com. Tune in there, and you'll have everything that's going on, everything that went on, and what do we stand for? Truth, Truth, justice, justice, and the American way. way. God bless.